Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH Podcast. This podcast series offers a fun and serious look at hypnosis and offers various ideas, discuss case studies, along with NGH educational opportunities. We are pleased to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Vice President of the National Guild of Hypnotists, Don Martin, interviewing the President of the NGH, Dr. Dwight Damon. Oh, Dr. Damon, so very, very good to see you. I feel honored to be the first one in NGH podcast and just have a few questions for you, Dr. Damon. Uh, I've heard you mention before Rexford L. North. Uh, can you give us kind of an overview of who, who he is or who he was? Well, yes, I can. He was, uh, I'll tell you a story. I was on my way. I was in college in Boston. Probably 17 years old. I was on my way to a fraternity meeting and I saw a little poster about a free hypnosis demo and it was on my way. So I went to that hotel instead and saw this man with a very strange voice <laughs> doing a hypnosis demonstrations. And I thought, I wonder what country he's from. It's very weird. It uh, must be some foreign language that, you know, is his background. And he looked like a hypnotist. He had the Van Dyke beard and piercing eyes. And uh, I was very impressed. Of course, I'd been interested in magic and, and hypnotism for a long time. My folks owned a theatrical agency, among other enterprises. And so I got to meet a lot of magicians, uh, you know, we come through the office. And uh, so I was always interested in magic and, and worked professionally, you know, to a degree uh, uh, when I was eh, maybe 12 years old. And, you know, it was the type of thing, oh, no, we can't have him work that booking because it's, it's, a, it's a beer joint or something like that. <laughs> my parents were very selective about where I could do my, my act which was probably a good thing because, you know, a 12-year-old kid doing a magic act, uh, you got to learn to handle the hecklers and so forth, which I did. And I think that was very, very good background for what I eventually did through life. And so with Rexford O. North, was he your first experience? Oh, I'll get back to North. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine, sir. Well, Rexford L. North, I, I went to, instead of going to the fraternity meeting that I was headed for, I went to the hypnosis demonstration. And I walked in and there's this fellow with a Van Dyke beard and mustache mm -hmm. and very piercing eyes and a strange accent. I didn't know what country he was from. And he was doing miracles with hypnosis just as a free demo or a class mm -hmm. that was starting up. And I thought, man, I got to learn that. And uh, so I got the information. And and uh, at, at the age of 16, being going into college, I didn't have a lot of my own money. You know, I had to ask dad, you know, mm -hmm. if I needed extra money. And so I called my dad the next day and 
said I wanted to go to an extracurricular activity. And <laughs> he said, well, what is it? I said, well, it's, it's extracurricular. You know, it's not part of the normal course at Emerson College. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, it's very educational. And it's something that will help me in my future. He said, well, if you don't tell me what the heck it is, I'm not sending you any more money. And it was only $50 for to take Rexford L. Norris course. And I said, it's a course in hypnotism. And I figured, man, it'll really hit the fan now. My dad said nothing for a moment or so. He just paused and he thought, he said, you know what? I think that would be very good for you. He said, you know, I'm always telling you when you're performing, I used to do a magic act as a kid, that you don't talk enough on stage. You want to be like Frank Lane, one of the acts that they booked through their agency, uh, who was a talker. And uh, he said, "You maybe you'll learn to talk more if you learn to be a hypnotist. And uh, so I said, well, I need $50. So he sent me the $50. Gave me the okay, and I, I went to this course with this strange man, with a strange voice, but I hadn't been to the first class, so I had to go to, uh, take that privately, and I forget the name of the hotel. It's a theatrical hotel in Boston, where actual stage. You know, it wasn't a first class. It wasn't the, uh, you know, the luxurious hotel. It was, it was a theatrical hotel. Mm -hmm. And I went there for lesson number one. So I went up to the room and the door was open and he's, a uh, man is inside with the Van Dyke and so forth. And he's sitting at a typewriter doing a two finger recitation on the typewriter. And I, <laughs> I stood in the doorway. <laughs> Nothing. So <laughs> Nothing yet. I figure. He's ignoring me. And then I stepped inside the open door and he looked up and in a voice, and I'll mimic his voice. Oh, hello, young man. You, you're the one that wanted to, to sign up for the course. And I thought, this guy really has a strange voice. I wonder what country he's from. As it was, I found out very shortly, he was stone deaf. I mean, could hear nothing. And that's why his voice was so strange. And uh, so I gave him the money for the course. And he said uh, he would have to catch me up because he already had done a couple of lessons for the rest of the class. <laughs> so that's fine. I got a couple of private indoctrination lessons. And then I went to the class. And I soon found that uh, even though he had a strange voice and a strange appearance, he knew the business. He knew how to hypnotize, and he knew how to teach it. So I don't know why I, I ended up, well, I know why. I was so intrigued by it that <laughs> I decided I didn't want to attend college anymore. So <laughs> I went into the, uh, the school or the college and saw the dean and told him that I was withdrawing from college. He said, do your parents know? I said, no, they don't know yet. But I'm sure as soon as I leave your office, they will know because you'll be calling them. And I said, so why don't you give me a, a head start and let me get to a phone and call my, my parents first. And he said, well, I'll do that. He said, you've been a good student here. And, you know, 
And he said, but what do you what do you want to quit for? You're doing very well. I said, well, I I want to learn to be a hypnotist. And he just looked at me and he said, you'd probably be a darn good hypnotist. Yeah. He said, so, you know, good luck to you. And he said, I'll call your parents tomorrow. So I said, well, that's fine. So then I was officially now out of college, mm -hmm. out of money because, you know, the dad wasn't probably going to send the tuition. But I called him and he had re received a message from the dean and he was very silent, which was unusual for my dad. He was a talker and uh, he was thinking. And he said, you know, I think that'll be good for you because to be a hypnotist, you're going to have to talk. And he said, that's the one thing you don't do when you're performing. You always do a silent act to music. And he said, and I keep telling you, you learn, you have to learn to talk. And he said, so, yeah, I'll send you the money. And so we did, signed up for the course. And uh, I found out that that was where I belonged, being a hypnotist. I've told people over the years, they said, Dr. Damon, I said, he started early, early on in part of our profession. We had a question. When I was starting out late, late 70s, I saw Pat Collins, and she was doing shows in California. And I was amazed because I thought, oh, there's a woman doing hypnosis in my small community. That didn't make a lot of sense. In the guild, do we have female members? And approximately what percent would you say? Oh, we have a very large percentage of females. Back originally, right, we had Pat Collins, and I can't offhand remember the name of the gal here on the west on the east coast, but there were only two female hypnotists in the business that I knew of, and Pat Collins was one of them. And now we have, oh, we just have a big population of women who are in the National Guild of Hypnotists. And they're very good. That's that's the thing that that makes it so good. A woman seems to have a natural tendency to work with people with hypnosis because they're just it's a maternal thing they that I guess. So yeah. Wonderful. And of course I know it's the National Guild of Hypnotists with the National. Uh do you have members outside of the US? Yeah, we're in a hundred and I just looked at this the other day, 109 countries. Oh, my goodness. And I thought you might come up with a number of 20 or 30. So it, even though National Guild, you have people from all over the world that want to join. Uh, knowing you, Dr. Damon, I've always been amazed that you didn't get what we call in Missouri the swollen head syndrome. Still grounded, still this, and in the profession just to help other people. I think you wrote a book, didn't you, on kind of the history of hypnosis? Because we see people all the time, Dr. Damon, where, oh, here's Mesmer and here's this. And if I'm correct, I think your book went more of the more recent uh, aspects of hypnosis. Yeah, most of the thing I have written about is the contemporary history of hypnotism, and because that's what I know. And so I've written several books in that vein. and. Uh, you know, but we, we're ever-changing, so it's, uh, I mean, there, there's no way in the world that Rexford L. North, back in 1949, when I first met him, had any idea that this little group of students of mm -hmm. his, 
that joined together would someday be an international organization. So, amazing how things change. I believe it was Hypnosis Right Collection. And I get tickled with your book there, Dr. Damon, because I'll pass it to other individuals and they all come back with this big smile on their face. I learned something, but it was so much fun. I had no idea of this piece or this piece. So I think the educational value is really high. Yeah, well, I don't, most of the stuff I have written isn't necessarily a textbook on how to be a hypnotist, mm -hmm. but it's about our, our profession. Right. And I consider what we do a profession, not an industry. And I expect because we're a profession, that the people who are members of the National Guild of Hypnotists will be professional in what they do. And I think that that has caught on a, a lot. We have a very high ethics uh, type of situation. Uh, as you know, Scott Giles is our ethics director. He's a minister. And uh, we have a nice committee. And we've had very few ethics complaints uh, in the many years that I've been with the Guild. Well, the Guild has been with me, I guess. And uh, very few, because we have high standards. Yes, and uh, when I'm doing Train the Trainers through NGH, that's one of the things that we probably go over strongest. And it's also, thankfully, one of those things where the students say, Yes, I hold to just that. Uh, I think you've done wonderful things for the profession. And one of the things I stole, and I say all the time, that comes from you. We help everyday, ordinary people with everyday, ordinary problems. And so opposed to, oh, this, it hits home. And, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing such and such. And you have helped me over the years that, well, Don, you know, you could do people for golf. You could do things for passing exams, those type of things. And I think you had a member of your family that was doing hypnosis for high school students for wrestling. And he had some really good results with that. I'm seeing you smiling. And that means you pretty much know who we're talking about. But for the individuals looking at this, can you give me a, a little bit of an overview who that person is and how they got involved with that? Yeah, well, that's Jeremy. Yeah. And I was amazed five, six years ago at the convention. I came in and Jeremy's doing a talk about sports and about this. And I thought, that's good. And I think the thing that really blew me away with his, when somebody... You have a question. Okay, they'd have a question. He has the answer. Somebody else in the background. Could you elaborate on? So not only was his talk outstanding, but his ability to interact with the audience. I, like you, Dr. Damon, we've seen instructors who are, they just rattle off. Here is what I've got to say. So, Jay, that's what I call him, has that ability not only to teach, but he's quick on his feet, which I think is an important element if you're going to be a good hypnotist. So you've got the aspects of a good hypnotist and the individual to teach lecture at the convention. Well, and that's the whole thing. Jay, uh, his mother, uh, Melody, uh, my, was my oldest daughter. And uh, she, after she passed away, Jay uh, assumed uh, the leadership role that she played. But he used to come directly from school every day from junior high school 
and from high school to the office. And and he hung around. He mm-hmm. learned what we do. He took the course mm-hmm. and just like somebody else would. And he became really enamored with what we do. He he loves what we do and he's very good at it. And I'm I'm very I don't never apologize for the fact that I have family members working for me. Uh, my oldest son uh, passed away. So we have uh, still daughters and uh, uh, son uh, left. And Eric is now in the office. Well, Eric had built an ambulance business from scratch and then retired from that and uh, had a good opportunity to sell out and was doing very well as a businessman. And I said, what are you going to do now when you you sold the business? And he said, well, I get a lot of people ask me if I want to sell insurance. I said, that's the last thing you want to do in life. I said, why don't you come in here and use your business acumen that you've acquired and to help us on the business side of of the guild, which he has. And it works out very well because Jay, my grandson Jeremy, is uh, running the office right next door to mine and and Eric's. And Eric and I are in this office. And, well, I'm not in this office as much anymore. I mentioned over different classes that I saw hypnosis when I was in the Marine Corps. And I think, were you in the service, Dr. Damon? Absolutely. I was in the Coast Guard. Oh, wonderful. My family all was seagoing. (laughs) There you go. Probably the correct profession. And did you do anything with hypnosis during that time in your life when you were in the Oh, Coast yes. Yeah. When I was on board a weather ship, whenever we would put into port, there was always a request from the officers club uh, that, oh, you got a hypnotist on board. Uh, we want to see if he can come and do a show at, our, at the club. And so I did a lot of shows along the way, which was good. I mean, you know, it uh, never was anything that, Anybody held against me being a hypnotist? Uh, you know, well, one officer, one skipper of one ship, you know, it was like the uh, Kane mutiny. And he seemed to feel that I, I might have hypnotized too many people on board. <laughs> yeah. and, and I want to pull upon your years of knowledge. If a hypnotist, whether members or not, to what can you recommend, Dr. Damien, to help me build my practice? What would your comment be for those people, doctor? You have to let people know you're in business. I think the best thing is go out and do free talks. Uh, Rotary Club, Lions Club, they're all looking for speakers. And you don't have to be able to give a long talk. And you don't have to you give it a show. You might do a simple demonstration of some type, um, hand clasp or something like that if you want to, and I wouldn't do uh, too much of a show because usually groups like that, usually a meeting at noontime luncheons, and they'd say, oh, man, we had a hypnotist that that was in uh, the meeting today. Well, you've gotten free advertising. There you go. And I think that's wonderful, Dr. Damon, simply the fact you did that years ago, and it is still a great way of doing things even today. I, sometimes I think people, oh, I don't want to tell them what I'm doing. <laughs> I think how foolish is that? No, and people are interested when they hear that you're a hypnotist. You know, if they, I've had people come up to me when I was at a, you know, a function 
and say, well, I understand that you're you're the hypnotist down in Merrimack. And, you know, they want to talk about it. Yes. And how many hypnotists do they run into in the normal <laughs> way? <laughs> this is true. I always get tickled. I travel quite a bit with the guild and I'd be in a cab and the cab driver without fail. Are you here for pleasure or for work? Work. What do you do? I'm a hypnotist. And they all say the same thing. Does that stuff really work? And oh, yeah. they say yes. And they come up <clears throat> just as you said, Dr. Damon. They, oh, do you help people lose weight? Do you help people stop smoking? Do you help with stress? So uh, I've traveled with you before. I'm thinking he can't sit down at the restaurant without ending up with a waitress asking what he does. And You've taught me. Make sure you have a business card with you. So yeah, I, I laugh when you say that because I, I was thinking back to one time we were in Connecticut and all of the waitress found out that we were she asked us what we do. And <laughs> I think I think Patricia was there also. Yeah. And uh we told her we're three of us were hypnotists. Well then she had to tell another waitress, oh they're hypnotists. And we had we had them all coming over and asking <laughs> questions and, well, I, do you have an office nearby? And yeah. Didn't you publish a magazine on hypnosis, Dr. Damon? Yes, we, uh, well, we have the journal of hypnotism for our members. But we, also, we also okay. did hypnosis magazine. Oh. Yeah, we've had several publications. Yeah. Now everything seems to be going on. So it's uh, on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I still like the printed page, uh, personally. Yes. And my web guy, Bill Hunt, he said, if you're going to sell things, nobody wants the paper copy. They want to download it. I said, okay. And Midway asked Bill, I said, what's our ratio? He said, I'm almost embarrassed. I said, it's 30-70. And it's the way I think it should be. In other words, 70% of the people now I want the workbook. I want to put the DVD in and this, that, and the other. And I've noticed the same thing on air, airlines, Dr. Damon, where it used to be, here's my Kindle. And now I look around, people have magazines again. So kind of nice to see that going on. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there are different variations of how people want to advertise, want to promote their practice. But if you don't tell, you're not going to get people in. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. A few moments ago, I asked you what you would recommend for hypnotists to help them build their practice, and you hit it out of the park, do talks, short, to point, demonstration. And I'm not negative, but Dr. Dean, what would you say something if you see a hypnotist, tell them they should not be doing? Something they should not be doing? Yes. Well, I, I guess if you're just uh, a practitioner in the office, you don't want to go and do catalepsy where you hypnotize somebody and put them across two chairs, chairs. and stand on them. Uh, you know, <laughs> you want to do things that would make people want to come to you, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you're totally right, Dr. Damon. The idea and any hypnotist who's been around, we've seen that. I'm a stretcher between two chairs and I'm a stand on you. And the group is, I don't know that. And well, a simple demonstration is better, you know, and, and there are many of them that they can do that everybody can participate, hand clasp, perhaps, mm -hmm. or something like that. And everybody can, oh, you know, they had a hypnotist at the meeting, at the luncheon meeting today. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you know, he had us all put our hands together and we couldn't take them apart. Yeah. You know, talk, talk about word of mouth. You haven't even hypnotized someone yet. And all of a sudden, oh, this guy, Dr. Damon, he did this and I couldn't pull my hands apart. So it's kind of exciting when we see people and steal your claim. They caught the hypnosis fever. <laughs> In other words, oh, I want to know more. And so, and I have to tell you for sure that, ooh, once you have them interested, it's going to spread. And we're going to wrap things up. And my ending is about the convention. Uh, I went to the first convention many, many years ago, first convention, and I ran home telling Brenda, my wife, this was the neatest thing in the world. Oh, my God. And I got to see this and I got to see this. They had so many people there. And the high energy at a guild convention is, in my mind, almost contagious. Uh, as I leave a convention of the guild, uh, I'm already thinking about the next year. What are we going to do? And over the years, have you found, Dr. Damon, the participants in the convention are really excited, high energy? It is absolutely a once-in-a-lifetime. I hope it's more than once-in-a-lifetime, but it's that type of experience. You make new friends. You see demonstrations. You participate in the classes, and you learn so much. And but I think the main thing is you you realize we have members from all over the world, mm -hmm. and uh, you and I both uh, have been corresponding with a fellow over in Saudi Arabia. Um, I had the opportunity to teach a class in Germany, and I thought, oh, this will be exciting. Uh, but it, it was nice to see what people were doing around the country, and. We're going to wrap things up. And Dr. Damon, I've known you for a number of years. All I hear from members is, oh, I had a problem. Dr. Damon, help me. I was at the convention. And even though there's hundreds and hundreds of people, I said hello to Dr. Damon. Had time, shake my hand, enjoy the convention. So you're one of those people, you give a lot and you have refrained from, oh, it's all about me. All you're doing is for the profession, giving, giving. And once again, I'd like to thank you. Well, thank you, and thank you for all of the the praise. But it's, I don't know if it's well earned. But we do. We love what we do, and I know you do. I remember the first time you came to our convention, and you found out what we do, and you decided you you like to be part of what we do, and we're very glad that you are. And you know, as one of our instructors. You always, I always enjoy dropping by your class at the convention because you have a lot of uh, empathy. You're just good with everybody in the class. You make them feel comfortable. They learn a lot. Uh, but again, Dr. Damon, not just a friend. I've looked up to you over the years, and I know the members are going to love this podcast. So with that, I won't take any more of your time, Dr. Damon. Hey, you have a great day, and I can't wait for August to see you at the convention again. Thanks, Don. Sorry, good talking with you. So, All right. Thank you. See you at convention. Thank you for listening to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. You're welcome to share your ideas for future podcasts by emailing us, nghpodcast at ngh.net.